Bienvenidos a La Raza Chronicles. Welcome to Crónicas de la Raza. On tonight's program, we bring you an update from Brazilian journalist Diogo Antonio Rodriguez on the current political crisis in Brazil. We will also bring you an interview with poet Yosimar Reyes, who will be discussing his new one-man show, Prieto. And we'll bring you, and we'll also bring you a discussion between myself, Julieta Kuznid, and my co-producer, Nina Serrano, about the recent USA-Mexico Fandango Fronterizo, the yearly Son Carocho musical and political event at the border. All this and much more, stay tuned. We'll now have an update from Diogo Antonio Rodriguez, who is a journalist in Brazil and who's bringing us on-the-ground updates on the current political crisis. Diogo's been giving us updates since the World Cup in Brazil, which now feels so, so far away. Diogo, impeachment, coup d'etat, corruption, you're a go-to journalist. Can you please give us an overview on what's happened since the last time we talked? I guess since the last time we talked, a lot of things have happened. The impeachment process was open in the Senate, and uh, the vice president has taken over the office. It's temporary. I mean, uh, it could be temporary because the Senate has 180 days to decide whether President Rousseff will be impeached or not. So we have been living under a Michel Temer government for a month now. Well, I guess this is the main difference between the last time we spoke and now. Temporary President Temer, as we say here, is trying to make many changes in the policies that the PT has been known for for the last 13 or 14 years. To start with, his cabinet doesn't have any women or black people. This is the first time since 1979, and let me say that 1979 we were under military dictatorship, that we don't have a woman in the cabinet, in the ministries. So um, that's one sign that political commentators are interpreting as a, a indicator that President Michel Temer is not progressive at all. It's a drawback for Brazil. Some people are saying that we are traveling to the past because President Temer indicates that he's going to try to implement some policies that were interrupted in the 90s. So one of the first concrete things that he did was to extinguish the Ministry of Culture. And there was a strong reaction by the artists in Brazil and the cultural producers because they, th they think this is a very serious problem that indicates what kind of priority culture is going to have under temporary President Temer. Groups of artists, uh, painters, musicians, every kind of artist that you can imagine have started occupying the Ministry of Culture's offices all throughout Brazil. And there's a famous viral video that shows a group of uh, an orchestra in Rio de Janeiro, an orchestra and choir singing the famous opera Carmina Burana with the lyrics Fora Temer, which means Temer, out. So um, that has a lot of meaning and that has created some friction between 
Temer and the society. That's only one of the things he did. There was also another problem with his cabinet, which was he nominated, nominated several people that are being indicted and, and investigated under car wash operation, under Operation Lava Jato. That contradicts the notion that President Rousseff was being impeached because of corruption. Many of the congressmen said they were voting against corruption, but they have not protested Mr. Temer's cabinet. So that is one essential contradiction that the media and the, and the civil society are starting to see here, that uh, this new government is not uh, worried about corruption. Another important thing are the Sergio Machado recordings. Sergio Machado was the president of Transpetro, a subsidiary of Petrobras, our state oil company. And uh, to get his plea bargain accepted, he agreed to do several uh, undercover recordings talking to very important politicians such as uh, Homero Juca. He was in Temer's government, but he got fired because, well, the recording showed that he was conspiring to uh, try to undermine Lava Jato operation and stop the investigations because there is an investigation that he has received some money, some illegal money from Petrobras. Also implicated are José Sarney, a very traditional politician in Brazil. He was the president of Brazil from 1985 to 1992. He was also involved in the corruption scandals, according to the Sergio Machado recordings. And finally, Renan Juca. He's the president of the Senate. He's one of the main PMDB politicians, and he's also being accused of corruption and taking bribes. So you see that the Temer's government has not started well in any fronts. President Temer is threatening to cut the budget for the social programs in Brazil. That is seen as a very serious thing because although there are some criticisms to programs like Bolsa Familia, which is for low-income families, and Minha Casa Minha Vida, which finances housing for poor families, nobody argues that these programs have helped a lot of people, millions of people, to get out of extreme poverty. The Temer government has uh, indicated that they want to restrict the budget and turn these, these programs only to the poorest people in the nation, but some of those people do not have any other source of income, so that's, uh, that's starting to worry a lot of uh, human rights organizations, uh, as well as the, the left parties in Brazil, especially the PT. The foreign policy under Temer has seen a very, very serious shift. Minister José Serra, which is affiliated with the PSDB, another opposition party to the PT, historic opposition, by the way. José Serra is trying to improve government Temer's image in the foreign media uh, because, well, I guess basically all the, the main foreign outlets, such as The Guardian, The New York Times, The Intercept, CNN, and lots of others, are um, depicting this political situation here in Brazil as a coup, 
a coup d'etat, and José Serra and President Temer are not happy at all with this. So, for instance, José Serra has ordered all the ambassadors and diplomatic staff to refute the thesis that this is a coup that's happening in Brazil. He doesn't want the word to be used, and he's trying to put some pressure in other countries to recognize the, the temporary government. But, well, I, I don't know if he's had any success, but that's a very shocking thing to order diplomats to say what he thinks is happening here. He has already shown that Africa will not be a priority to him because he's, he's talking about closing embassies in African countries, and he's already uh, demonstrated that he does, not, he does not think that Brazilian relations with Africa are important. That's a direct opposition to what President Lula da Silva did when he was president. He invested a lot of time and money to try to create some bonds with African countries, and he traveled a lot to Africa. He even made a symbolic gesture of great importance, which was to apologize for black people's slavery in Brazil. As you can see, there's a lot going on. The Temer government is not satisfying the civil society, the media, or even the bankers or the business people. Michel Temer is gambling all that he can on the economy. He knows that if the Brazilian economy improves in a short period of time, his popularity will rise and then he will have more support to govern and even to, well, finish President Dilma's impeachment process. Meanwhile, the left, the PT, and other social movements are going to the streets, have been going to the streets, to protest what they see as an illegitimate government and to try to convince the senators to vote against President Rousseff's impeachment. So we still have a political crisis in Brazil as well as an economic one. And we really don't know when this is going to end and how it's going to end. Some people on the left have suggested that we have new elections in Brazil, that a new president be elected for the last two remaining years of President Rousseff's term to try to pacify the country. There is not a consensus around this. This is a very uh, tricky proposition because we don't know if there's a legal basis for it. And uh, even if, uh, if it were to pass in Congress, we don't have any idea of how the rules would have to be and who could run for president. And of course, the opposition, the right, wouldn't want to have President Lula da Silva running because he's a very strong candidate. Uh, recent polls showed that he, still, he, he would still be the most voted presidential candidate, even with all the damage that his image has seen in the last year because of Lava Jato operation and when he was detained to testify for the corruption investigations. So, well, I guess it's a very difficult situation. We don't know what, what can happen. There is not a, a clear solution to all, all the problems we're facing. And um, I guess I can say that there's still some turbulence ahead of us. I hope this will have an end soon. 
And I guess that this is all everyone is hoping here in Brazil. That was the voice of Diogo Antonio Rodriguez, who is a Brazilian journalist and on the ground covering breaking news. You can follow him on Facebook, and you can also get updates from him on our program. This is Nina Serrano with La Raza Chronicles. I'm here in the studio with my co-producers, Julieta Kuznir, Vanessa Baum, and Brenda Ilescas. Julieta, let's talk a little bit more about today's show. Hi, Nina. So, yes, today's show, folks just heard an update on breaking news in Brazil, and that's something that we are really excited to share with them with Giovanni Antonio Rodriguez. And I just wanted to reframe our important conversation we're having with Yosima Reyes a little later today. As folks know, there was a very tragic shooting in Orlando, Florida this past weekend, and Yosimar Reyes' play, Prieto, really touches on the undocumented queer experience. And we want to highlight and really emphasize the fact that not only were people killed because of their sexual orientation in a senseless way, there's also a disproportionate amount of Latino and African-American folks that were targeted and victims of this horrible act. And this play, Yosimar is really talking about the fact that Oftentimes, identity is just linked to fear and limits and control and often is a point of shame. Our identities, whether it's a matter of whether or not we're documented or undocumented, whether or not we're queer, LGBTQ community, or whether or not we are Latino. And often that's just framed around all the suffering that we feel and experience. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that a lot of people are feeling a lot of fear right now in our community. This is a point of extreme grief. And although that is so important, there are also a lot of people that are standing up and pointing to all the ways that people resist and not just thrive, but find joy in life every day. And so I just wanted to, in light of recent events, point to the fact that this theater piece is really an attempt to counter all that hate, counter all the culture that tells us that we're not valuable, counter all the culture that says that there are some groups that are lesser, that some stories are just stories of suffering. And I really wanted to just highlight this interview that we're going to have in the framing of the current tragedy. So thank you so much, Nina, for asking me about today's show. I know that you want to ask me about something else as well. Yes, I do. I want to ask you about your trip to Mexico. It was so interesting. Well, was it a trip to Mexico or was it a trip to San Diego? Tell me about that. Nina, yes. So you heard my stories already since we're close friends and you've also seen some of my photos. But what you're talking about is the Fandango Fronterizo, which was a really beautiful, exciting event I got to participate in. Memorial Day weekend. And that was something that we want to talk about last week, but we were preempted because we had important election coverage. But this is our first week we get to tell you about it. And it was an opportunity where people wanted to resist against the border and really imagine a world without borders and also imagine a time where we can really break free and have our culture be a bridge between our countries. Because we all know that most of us aren't just in one country. We live in many countries since we are 
a country that's built by on immigration. So the Fandango Fronterizo was a beautiful Fandango. Fandangos take part in Son Jarocho music, which is an Afro-Mexican music, which uses a tarimba, that is a box that people dance on, that uses jaranas, uh, requintos, a bunch of beautiful instruments, quijadas, donkey jaws. And what I got to experience is people dancing and playing music on both sides of the fence. So this very dramatic, almost medieval, huge metal fence that is incredibly overbearing and overpowering uh, that has the huge metal bars, but also mesh. And people had tarimbas, so those boxes that they're dancing on, on equal sides of the border so they could dance together. And what was so beautiful about it is Song Jaroche involves call and response, it, like most music. And we were singing back and forth. And you could also see people communicating with their loved ones through the fence because there were those mesh little holes. So you could see people sticking their fingers through the holes, saying hello to family members, acknowledging with smiles the people they saw on the other side. So it was a very powerful event. It's a way that Son Jarocho has always been used to tell the stories and to protest injustice. So it was great to see it in action, calling for a land and a world without borders. Well, it's very interesting that you talk about these the mesh. That means that people could really only see each other like with one eye kind of thing. And earlier, people had been able to exchange popsicles through the fence, but now they've put the mesh so that it's even harder to see each other. But as hard as they try to separate the people, people will not be separated. Families will not be separated. And they do come together for this fandango. And the fandango, we used to have fandangos here in early California. That's right. Parties. Huge parties. And I think what's so important about that is even in our own contingent, there was a huge Bay Area contingent that went all the way to San Diego. And there are many people that couldn't make the cross because the fandango happens on the San Diego side of the border with Border Patrol around, you know, monitoring, many of them nodding their heads to the music and enjoying it and really being connected to it because actually the majority of Border Patrol people are of Mexican descent, which is that cruel irony that they are enforcing so many of the policies that are dividing up so many families. And then on the other side of the border in the evening is the second part of the Fandango. Since Son Jarocho is a music that's passed down through the generations, for example, one of the people who played in the Fandango, Tacho Utiera, they are also luthiers. And Tacho is actually the fourth generation of luthiers and people who are working to keep Son Jarocho alive and healthy. So that means that not only is he someone who plays incredible music and is a very talented singer and performer and is dedicated to keeping all this music alive he's also someone who actually constructs and builds these instruments so it was beautiful to go from the san diego side to the mexico side right there it was decorated beautifully and we all had pozole that was provided by the people it was all people just out of love really opened and created this space and it went on until the wee wee early morning sunrise hours and this time was to really acknowledge the history of son jarocho as an afro-mexican music and also to acknowledge the fact that although there is a border, Song Jarocho really just transcends that border and is a music that speaks to so many. So this happens every year. I think it's been happening for the last 12 years, which means that listeners might be planning to go next year. 
That's right. And I recommend it because it's an opportunity to really face and feel the, that many people feel who have spent their time divided from their family. And I think it's important. We talk a lot about immigration policy, but actually seeing the border fence is an important part of understanding how real and how difficult it is to just for an arbitrary reason that you're unable to see your family. And also that they use art as the way of bringing people together art as a cultural bridge to the heart and soul of a people. And that there were many Bay Area people there, that's really heartening. And I know you enjoyed the pozole because your mother makes some of the best pozole I've ever had. So I'm thinking this is a very interesting intro into our next interview with Yosimar Reyes.
You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Cronicas de la Raza. I'm Julieta Kusnid, and we have a special treat today. We have some incredible folks here in our studios, and we're talking about an exciting new play that not only will start its first showcase here in the Bay, but will be an opportunity for folks to actually get involved and meet the creators and the makers. So we're talking about Yosimar Reyes' piece, Prieto, which will have its first stage reading this June 16th, so just around the corner this Thursday through the 18th, this Saturday, and folks can really get a chance to not only see where it is in its development, but also get to meet some of the makers. So I have in the studio with me here today, I have Kat Vasco here with me, I also have Yosimar Reyes. Thank you two for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. This is exciting. It's exciting for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is this is a story that people are really excited to hear, but we don't get to hear too often. And as we were talking about just a moment ago, we're here in June and people are thinking about pride. They're thinking about telling stories about the LGBTQ community. They're thinking about pride parade and things like that. And we're also an immigrant heritage month or month to honor all the work that immigrants do. And as Yosimad, you mentioned, that's something that we don't often see on stage. So tell us more about some of the things that made you want to invest so much time and energy telling these stories. Yeah, so basically the creation of this show and the basis of this show is really talking about an immigrant story from the perspective of a queer person. And it's based on my life and talking about what it was like to grow up uh, undocumented in this country, but also to grow up queer, having those intersections. And oftentimes, you know, you go to the pride parades and, and, and you're functioning your body as, as a queer person, but in the back of your mind, you're also, you still understand that you're an undocumented immigrant. And oftentimes it's not really reflected in the, in the major story of that. So what we wanted to do in this piece is basically have that conversation have these two identities talk to each other and how do these two inform the body of a queer brown person and yeah that's the show like what it, what is it like to be a little kid growing up in a certain neighborhood aware that you're queer aware that you're undocumented and these things are obstacles right you're growing up you've been obstacles but then how do you find empowerment in those identities to to live as a whole being and we also have Kat Vasco here, who is one of the people, along with Sarita Ocon, who are directing your play. So Kat, this is an exciting production that you've been thinking and dreaming about. So tell us about the process that brought to you two to this point. Yeah, so a lot of my work, my own passion as an artist, is is to produce and present works of theater that are based on real life, right? So autobiographical, documentary-based is something I really gravitate to. I met Yosimar in 2009 at a youth speak event called Curiosity. And uh, we both were performing. I was performing stand-up comedy. He was hosting and obviously doing poetry. And um, I instantly kind of, like most people who encounter Yosimar, fall in love with him instantly. And we've kind of been developing a friendship over the years. And in the last two years, I myself have been coming into terms with my own identity as being undocumented. So that's something that I'm just learning how to talk about. And of course, I reached out to Yosimar to be like, hey, I want to do some projects around this. I myself am working on my own autobiographical play called Take the Risk around experience of Filipino undocumented immigrants and also coming from a queer perspective. And when Yosimar and I started talking, I think he had a manuscript and he wanted to go beyond poetry and expand and wanted to go into theater. And, and I was like, I'd love to work with you on this. And so the process has been 
one, he had a, a body of work already put together, like a manuscript for a book called Prieto. And we went through the book and, and we're kind of piecing the different stories together. And whatever's not in that manuscript, we did a series of interviews um, so that we can pull out some other stories that haven't come out yet. And and we're still in the process of that. There's still so many stories that we're trying to uncover in this process. So a lot of people that are listening know and love Yosimar's work, and that's exciting. And they've heard a lot of your poetry that's made them laugh, maybe made them cry, has really spoke to them on a deep level in a way that a lot of things aren't speaking to them. But this is a really different form. So why don't you, if you don't mind, read us a little bit, an excerpt from Prieto, which will be at Galeria de la Raza this week, the 16th through the 18th. And folks will actually get a chance to see a staged reading following a conversation with some of the main artists that made this possible. So why don't you choose something to read for us? Because it's a little different. Yeah, um, I'm going to be sharing this piece titled Dirty. And the funny thing about this process is that I'm really writing about my family. And it's really interesting, you know, because I consider myself to be first generation immigrant. But then my parents and my grandmother, they're real, real immigrants. You know, they they do things that I'm like, oh, my God, what are you doing that for? <laughs> um, so this piece is basically my mom who loves to clean and she traumatized me about being dirty. <laughs> so this piece I wrote called titled Dirty. Mommy used to bathe us twice a day. She used to scrub the darker parts of her bodies as to wash away poverty. She would take out her piedra pomo and scrub our elbows and knees. She scrubbed my little hands, took the dirt beneath my fingernails, and warned us to stay clean. She would often say, ¿Qué va a decir la gente? Esa mujer muy elegante y sus mocosos bien mugrosos. She would neatly part our hair, and when one of our stubborn little pelitos would not listen, she would place saliva in her hand and made it stay in place. She didn't want me to be like Tony, who always smelled like pee, whose mocos used to dry up under his nose. They used to call him Piojoso at school because you could see the lights jumping like there was a party on his head. Más vale que no se te peguen esas costumbres, gordo. A ver, ven que hueles a chivo. She would then run to the fridge, take out a limón and slice it in halves. She would rub each half under my armpit. The burning sensation would make me scream. Estate quieto, she would say. Share my shirts, pants, underwear, and socks. Mommy, who was left alone to raise two brown boys, dark as dirt, made sure that the rest of the world never had an excuse to call us dirty. Wow. So that was amazing and beautiful and also very much like an experience that you're not going to be the only one <laughs> that feels. A lot of people are going to be feeling it. So tell us about what how that came about. So Kat, you directed this piece. You've worked closely. It's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears just to, to get to this point. You two have worked. You th- Actually, not just the two of you. So it's been many people that have been part of this process. So why don't you two talk to us about how this came to be? Yeah, uh, so I am one of the directors of this piece. Uh, Sarito Kon is an amazing Bay Area actor, artist, visual artist. And we wanted to bring her in because of her, like, really her skills as an actor. And because this is such a big leap for Yosimar as a performer, having someone who can really work with his performance skills on a technical level. And so in the meantime, Yosimar and I have been working, like, together to really develop the script. So that's where like a lot of the work has really come in. And then we're sharing it with, you know, some of our collaborators, which includes Jose Antonio Vargas and and Annie Rivera and and you know, eventually the folks who are going to come see this, they're all participating to help us 
really refine the story that we're telling here and making sure that it makes sense, that the themes that we want to focus on are, are really coming out. So the process is going to be like a three, a big three-step process, right? Like there's a stage reading that's happening and then eventually we're going to go into a workshop of this piece in early 2017. And then after we make the revisions and keep working on the design elements, we're looking to do the world premiere of uh, Prieto in the fall of 2017. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about this work, I think, for me personally as an artist, I've always told folks currently right now with the current debate on immigration and the, what right now is happening in the Supreme Court with DACA and DAPA and everybody's you know doing immigration is such a hot topic right now and oftentimes people talk about undocumented people and one of the things that my focus and my goal with this show was to really talk about undocumented humor and undocumented joy because I feel like that's something very seldom we don't see that in media oftentimes when we talk about undocumented people it's kind of like we ask undocumented people to relive their traumas and so we have like stories of people constantly crying of like I really want to be accepted and for me for this show I really I didn't want to do that I could have done that but for me it was like it's been done I want to do something that it's it's gonna bring joy and happiness and showcase the way that I don't want to showcase how undocumented people are surviving because we already know that I want to show how undocumented people are thriving in this country and what makes us get up every day to participate you know and I feel like that's what the powerful piece about the work is is that we're showcasing undocumented people with agency and the ability to have heartbreak to fall in love to you know uh, as full humans as opposed to this entity that's constantly tragic and that's one of my hashtags no I don't want to be tragic no more I want to be I want to be happy <laughs> and it's nice to be able to be human You're, we're talking about Yosimar Reyes's piece Prieto which people can actually take part in and see June 16th through the 18th at Galeria de la Raza so this piece of being human like you said when you're hearing the story just of survival or let's hear this really traumatic experience that brought people to even think about crossing and then let's hear about the trauma of the crossing let's hear about the trauma of being less than here I mean we're just it's so 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 heavy when you think about being human so talk to us about or what stories that maybe people wouldn't expect when they're thinking about the common undocumented play or story that that you're going to highlight in Prieto yeah so I feel like some of the stories that we were able to bring out was where they're very specific but in the specific you find the universal right like the specific it's like when people relate more because like oh my god I know that I know I have that aunt that does that I have that neighbor that does that and I think for me like it was very important to do that it's specifically because most of the pieces also my relationship with my grandmother and she is 85 I'm 27 so she constantly does certain things that I don't understand that I perceive as like oh my you know I feel like I'm I came here when I was three years old so I I'm very much, you know, American. So there's certain things that I don't understand that she does. I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing that? Um, but she, for her, that's her life. So for me, it was very interesting to have that kind of culture clash of first generation to somebody that Burley came, that came here. So we're exploring some of that in the piece. And yeah, humor is such a huge part of it. I feel like I live my life as somebody that doesn't take things too seriously, even though I'm a poet. You know, oftentimes, even as poets, people are like, oh my God, you need to be deep all the time. And, you know, I am. But I like to laugh. I like to make fun of things and be funny. I often tell people, like, oh, I'm more of, like, a trickster, you know, in the plays. Like, the person that 
catches the jokes or like I more I would consider my character more like that and I feel like that's what the the little kid that we're doing in the show is it's a trickster he knows what's happening he's aware he has agency he's bright he's smart he reads like he knows what's happening but because of it he's still coming to terms with what does it mean to be undocumented and queer and specifically in the Latino household too like that's another big thing right being queer and being Latino is something that's not very you know oftentimes too accepted yeah. And I think humor, it, it allows really difficult topics and dark themes to be accessible to people in a way that doesn't like overcome them with like a heaviness. Right. We want we wanted to come into this with a lightheartedness. Yes, this is a huge topic. Yes. These are very deep things. But we want to make you laugh through this journey because that's that's how we start embracing that humanness. Right. That entirety. It's not just the tragic, but it's also the humor, the happiness, the the anger, the rage, you know, the compromises. I, th- I think humor allows us to really encompass all of that. Is there something else you'd like to share with our audience? We're talking to both Kat Ivasco, who is one of the co-directors of Prieto, and Josimar Reyes, who has been the writer and will be the solo performer of this piece. Yeah, I just wanted to say that we are very lucky. So I uh, recently became artistic director of Guerrilla Rep, which is a theater company based here in the Bay Area. And uh, we only produce work that's based on real life. But we have amazing collaborators. Our co-producers are Galeria de la Raza and, and Define American in developing this work. So it definitely is not like something we're doing alone. Uh, we have a whole community that's supporting us. And that's such a huge thing. So I just wanted to shout out our co-producers. And we actually wanted to share one more piece with you, which is a short poem called Prieto. So, yeah, for folks that don't know what Prieto means and why we title Prieto, it's a, there's not a direct translation to it, but it has to do with... I'm from the state of Guerrero, Mexico, which is southern Mexico. And it, it's such a rich place with culture. We have a huge uh, Afro, Afro-Mexicano presence there, indigenous presence. It's such a huge... And so we decided to name it that simply because it's a it's a word that in Spanish gets thrown a lot. And we want to make sure that we talk about those dark things that oftentimes are not explored. So this is the piece called Prieto. I am dark, not like my primos and primas who are light. And what happens when water falls on dirt? Mud-colored skin with Indio black hair, big lips like Abuela Minga, La Negra, who I've never met. I am Las Casitas de Barro in Guerrero. It is the skin that tells people that I'm not from here, that I come from a place closer to the sun. It is the skin that makes people want to talk to me in broken Spanish. What is your country like, they ask, but there is no answer. I'm dark, not blanco or negro, prieto, they say, prieto como maíz. Beautiful. So something that's also very special about Prieto, Yosimar Reyes, your piece that you have collaborated with so many people to make a reality, is that there's going to be the opportunity for people to share their stories and to connect with others that maybe don't get to talk about these things because there aren't a lot of spaces. So why don't you two tell us about what will be happening the 16th through the 18th? So, yeah, after the show, we definitely want to have a conversation with folks. I think, if anything, this show is going to spark memories. That's what we're doing. Like, I feel like as artists, we're collecting these narratives their shared experience right like even though some of it's specific i feel like it's universal like oh i know what that felt like i know what that looks like and at the end we're doing a QA with jose antonio vargas and kat who uh, who has helped me put the show together and myself and really like digging these stories out 
And, you know, Define American, which is the organization that I'm an arts fellow for, that's basically the basis of the organization is storytelling, putting folks on a platform and really having folks telling their immigrant story and what it, what that is like. And, you know, oftentimes what happens, and particularly with, throughout the show, and as immigrants, I feel like we develop this thing called shame, right? There's a lot of shame in our lived experiences. Even as queer people, we carry shame constantly. And what we want to do with this play and have the audience... The, the experience that we want to have them is a process of releasing shame and really connecting on a deeper level and saying like, well, I, I understand that. I've been through that. And because shame is not something you're born with. It's something people throw on you. So that's what the process we want the audience to go. It's like a place free of shame and, you know, just go out into the world and be happy and cute. Yeah, so on it, it's going to be fun, and we're, we're excited to invite everyone to this conversation. On June 16th and June 17th, Jose Antonio Vargas will be uh, one of our special guests, but we're going to also be inviting a couple of folks who are either undocumented, queer artists, activists, but also uh, folks who work in the field and support folks who are undocumented, just to kind of get the conversation going. And then on Saturday, June 18th, is going to be Yosimar's party pride kickoff party that's what it's called <laughs> um, afterwards so there's a, you know it's, it's about a 45 minute performance followed by maybe a 20 30 minute q a but on saturday it's just after the performance we go straight into the party we just want to celebrate with you all yeah and so you two have mentioned how oftentimes these kinds of plays, I mean, it is it is trailblazing in that the way that sometimes you have to do a lot of the hard work of the preparing the soil to allow folks to be able to imagine different things and also to see themselves in spaces they wouldn't otherwise. Because as Yosim had mentioned before we got on air, it was not too long ago that saying you're undocumented was something people did not talk about. Being queer and undocumented was just out of the picture. So what do you all hope that plays like Prieto will be able to kind of, so I'm not a planter, I'm not a gardener, but, you know, mm-hmm. ready the soil for, for future folks. I think for me, what was more important, specifically as an undocumented queer person, is really looking at undocumented art. I feel like right now, you know, immigration is something that's very popular, but oftentimes the sad part is that a people because we are we're undocumented people are viewed in this kind of like really limited space oftentimes we don't view undocumented people as people that are creative or you know have the ability to create art create culture develop something and that's what for me that's the most important thing i my mission is to help people undocumented people create more art that's what i want to see in the world like how can we create culture how can we be unapologetic about our work and 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 really not ask permission and just just create art so and if anything that's what what my mission is like have a a play that's written by an actual undocumented person starting an undocumented person and actually the people that are supporting are undocumented people and i think that's so amazing because it really encapsulates the whole story i think that's what's really special about this show that we actually have undocumented queer people working on it and I'm not the only one. And so how can people connect and be a part of this groundbreaking week where they can actually be a part of some of the conversations and meet some of the folks that are like-minded that want to also create art and want to create these spaces? How can they do that? 
Well, yeah, you're definitely coming to the show. I think the people that the the people that are gonna be there are definitely people that are that's what they want. Like Jose Antonio Vargas has definitely been instrumental in the work simply because he's the one that saw it. He's like, Oh my god, you need to write a play, you need to write a play about your life. And then the work that he's doing out in the world, like connecting and you know, he's I would argue that he's one of the most popular and documented people in this country. Being part of it, having a conversation with us and just yeah, well, well, the goal is basically have people tell us their story and see how they connect with it in order for this play to grow. Because ultimately, it is going to grow and we're going to premiere next year and we're still in the stages of development. So even the stories that we hear have uh, the capability to shape the show. And where can people get tickets? You could go on Eventbrite. I think it's prieto.eventbrite.com. You could also go to Galeria's Galeria de la Raza's website, as well as Guerrilla Rep's website as well. That's uh, guerrillarep.com. So it's it's all online. I think you could also get tickets at the door, but it's like we're starting to sell a lot of tickets, so I feel like buy your tickets soon. And also just want to say that buying a ticket is not just an access to the space, but that you buying a ticket is actually helping us fundraise towards the larger, uh, you know, premiere of it, right? And bring people, bring people who you think are interested. Tell people about this. It's really important work, and and Yosima really touched up on a lot of things. But I think it's also really important to talk about politics in this election cycle, right? And how a lot of anti-immigration sentiments have um, really risen up to the surface with with Trump and and all that. So I think a lot of this is really to counter some of that and starting to claim our space in in a landscape that where there there is a lot of sentiment of not wanting us here, right? A lot of people telling us, like even Jose deals with it on like multiple times a day or like, get out of here. We can't wait till you're deported, you know, things like that. And we're we're fighting, you know? And and so to to me, uh, this kind of work is, is to counter that and to be like, no, like we belong here. And, and we're going to build community around this, and we're going to change the culture around how we perceive undocumented immigrants and immigrants as a whole, right? And start really embracing that as a part of our country. Come to the show. I, we promise to make you laugh. And there's going to be all kinds of cute people, so bring your cute friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing. Galeria de la Raza is really intimate. So you actually do get to make friends and connect with people you wouldn't otherwise. Let's say you live in a place where maybe you don't get to have these conversations very often or that you're someone who's always wanted to create art or that you want a play to be creative that you can then share with your family. So you don't have to do all the hard work of telling these stories. You can just bring them to a play. So that's nice. It's a nice cheating way to kind of have some difficult right. conversations. So you can support that by going to Galeria de la Raza this week and being a part of a historic opportunity to build a play because they are very open and eager to hear your thoughts. So muchísimas gracias. I've had in the studio with me Kat Evasco, who is a co-director along with Sarita Ocon. And I also have Yosima Reyes, who has been on our program many times in terms of his poetry. And now for the first time, you're going to get to see a full-length solo performance. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you.
to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I'm Brenda Yescas, and this is the calendar of Bay Area events and happenings for the week of Tuesday, May 14th through the 21st. For Wednesday the 15th, a special screening, the film, The Other Barrio. The movie follows housing inspector Roberto Morales as he investigates the suspicious circumstances of a fatal fire in a residential hotel in San Francisco Mission District and finds himself face-to-face with murder in the streets. Adapted from the story by SF Poet Laureate Alejandro Murguilla and based on true events, there will be casual meet-and-greet before the show at 6 p.m. This is at the New Parkway Theater, 474 24th Street. Movie starts at 7 p.m. For Saturday, June 18th, Join Youth Speaks for Curiosity. The Curiosity 2016 theme is Answering Our Ancestors. This year, they pay their deep respects to four queer literary ancestors whose work and lives still make ripples in our present-day queer 
intergenerational aesthetics. Curiosity 2016 is an intimate conversation that youth and featured adult artists would like to have with these four ancestors, James Baldwin, Octavia Butler, Justin Chin, and Gloria Anzaldua at Soma Arts Cultural Center, 934 Brandon Street in San Francisco. The show starts at 7 p.m. SomaArts.org. Also for Saturday the 18th, Sonando Sur and Sonando Norte, a night of Son Jarocho Musica Veracruzana with workshops, concert, and fandango. Workshops include Zapateado Dance, Harana Renquito, followed by a live concert with different Son Jarocho groups from Veracruz and the Bay Area, highlighting the different aspects and interpretations of Son Jarocho music from the south of Veracruz, Mexico. The workshops start at 3 to 5 p.m. and the concert is from 8 to 10 p.m. at the Mission Cultural Center, 2868 Mission Street. For more information, go to missionculturalcenter.org. For Saturday, June 18th, join us for Jingle Town Reading and Open Mic. It happens every third Saturday of the month at Cesar Chavez Library in Oakland. The poetry reading and open mic is from 3 to 5 p.m. For Saturday, June 18th through the 19th, the KPFA Summer Crafts Fair comes to the Crenway Pavilion in Richmond. It's beautiful, handmade artwork by artists and fair traders in a historic Bayside building. At the KPFA Lounge, you can meet some of our on-air hosts and their live music from noon to 5 p.m. Admission is free, and there's a free shuttle from Richmond Bark and plenty of parking. This is at the Crenway Pavilion, 1414 Harbor Way South. For more information, go to kpfa.org slash craftfair slash summer. For Monday, June 20th, freedom for Oscar Lopez Rivera, International Solidarity Day. Since 1981, Oscar Lopez Rivera have been incarcerated in the U.S., an act condemned by the U.N., making him the longest-held political prisoner in history of the U.S.-Latin American relations. Last year, several heads of state attending the annual organization of American States General Assembly proclaimed Oscar to be the Nelson Mandela of Latin America. This year, this call asks the people of the world to come together in local and regional actions on June 20th with one voice and one demand. Free Oscar Lopez Rivera now. This action will be held at Lake Merritt in front of the Lakeview Library, 550 El Embarcadero in Oakland, 6 to 7 p.m. And this has been a list of Bay Area events in Cultura y Arte for the San Francisco Bay Area. If you would like to add your event to the calendar, please email us at larazachronicles at kpfa.org. Or for more information on our show, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Chronicles. Feliz noches! You've just heard Cronicas de la Raza, La Raza Chronicles. I've been your host, Julieta Cusnid. If you like today's program and you'd like to listen to it again or share it with a friend, you can find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash La Raza Chronicles. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com dot com slash La Raza Chronicles. And last but definitely not least, if you have events or issues you'd like to cover, or if you have stories you want to tell on the radio that, that you think are not being covered around the Chicana Latinx community, then definitely be in touch at, at La Raza Chronicles at kpfa.org. 
Muchísimas gracias y buenas noches. 